getting so freaking excited. <laughs> I am so happy. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Swimming salutations. <laughs> Spoopy listeners. Screaming salutations. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode of My Spooky Gay Family. Guess I'm... what we're talking about. <laughs> Very excited for today's episode. I am your resident spooky uh, drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I am your resident spooky drag queen, spooky sister, Sam Baxter. And this is my, my spooky, spooky gay, gay family. family. Now the other theme. my cue like, <laughs> like i came in late on the horn it's section it's and, like, literally your it, favorite song like we did it twice like fake and i nailed it both nailed times. it and then the second you were like record i'm like wait a minute what's my line all right it, like, she stuck the re- she stuck the landing in rehearsal i don't know what i can't happened. go off book i think that's what it is it's like i needed like another moment to prepare <laughs> can i please have a moment to myself to prepare, to prepare? yes uh, well, killing myself on stage. <laughs> it's fine. It's Welcome to another episode, kids. This is my spooky gay family, and today we are doing a movie review of one of our very, very, very favorite Mine, horror especially. movies. This is actually yeah. like my favorite movie, full stop. Is it really your favorite yes. movie ever made? Yes, regardless of genre, regardless of anything, Jaws is my favorite movie. Really? Yes. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Jaws as much as the next uh, shark phobe. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'd call it my favorite movie, but it's definitely like top 10. Yeah, no, this is, this is the one that like, if I could only pick one movie to ever be allowed to watch again, it would be Jaws. Really? Yeah, hands down. Easily. <laughs> like, I mean, with I, very I, little concern. Listen, I'm not arguing it. It's a good choice. I, I happen to love Jaws. And speaking of, we are talking today about Jaws. Just in case you couldn't tell from the opening. <laughs> like, in case you were concerned that it was that other, like, really Ominous. iconic theme that John Williams wrote and there are several so there I, are like could be hundreds <laughs> like, like if you can think of an iconic uh score to a movie a, an iconic theme John Williams probably wrote it yeah or John Carpenter wrote the theme for Halloween but I think that's like the only one that I, I did he do um the exorcist theme he didn't no he didn't do he didn't do the exorcist john williams did star wars he did uh all the indiana jones movies basically everything harry potter yeah uh close encounters yeah he did uh, i mean uh, home uh home alone he did home alone was that him or danny elfman it was him okay he did he did uh home alone because uh, I was actually watching a thing on Netflix the other day with David, and it's this documentary called The Movies That Made Us, right. I think. Yeah, no, I've seen a couple of those, too, on Netflix. Yeah, they did Home Alone, and they were talking about how, like, when they were making Home Alone, they were like, wouldn't it be great if we could get John Williams? Do you think he'd do it? He was just, like, no. between projects. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they sent him the script, and he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And they were like, what? What? <laughs> 
Could you imagine you like send your, I, I don't know, you send your script to like Universal and you're like, they're never going to. And they're like, okay. And you're like, I f- what? I feel like if I wasn't like if I was a director and not like a top tier director and John Williams decided to do, I might just like drop dead. <laughs> like of excitement right there. <laughs> it's was, like, the, was John Williams famous before Jaws? Or was I Jaws mean, he like had, his breakout? He had other work. I think that Jaws is... Again, kind of because, like, he does tend to, like, he and Steven Spielberg do a lot of work together. Well, and this was their clearly. first collaboration. Yeah. Um, and, like, I think it was, I think this was kind of the first big thing for him. Mm. Particularly because, and I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but we'll talk about it a little bit now. Like, that that theme, like, there's a reason we chose to play it in the beginning of this episode, which is, like, it's essentially a character. It is, yeah. And, like, even people who know absolutely nothing about this movie know what that music means. Exactly. Like, and it, you know we talked about this a bit in the insidious episode too where it's like composers who use the music not just to set a mood but also as like you said like a character yeah. like it they like the, this score the, has lines yeah <laughs> it really truly does and because when the shark is not there which is vi- or i should say when a he's not visible portion of the film. <laughs> which is like 98 percent <laughs> of the movie <laughs> The the music and other very inventive uh, storytelling techniques yeah. were were used to portray the part of the shark. And, and then Bruce was in his trailer and didn't want to come out. <laughs> he was the Faye like, Dunaway of Jaws. <laughs> he was in his trailer like, I said green M&Ms only, assholes. And until my rider is respected, I will not perform. Who put M&Ms in my Skittles? <laughs> So someone put M&M's in my Skittles and somewhere like Roy Scheider's like someone put Skittles in my M&M's and, like, and, and then Quint is like <laughs> and Robert Shaw's off in the corner getting drunk because he was drunk for 90% of the filming of this movie and Richard Dreyfus is just complaining and somewhere is bitching mightily <laughs> and not entirely unjustly about the fact that Robert Shaw is drunk <laughs> you know what's funny uh, I have a funny story about Richard Dreyfus. Um, I have a hard time picturing Richard Dreyfus as like the center of a funny story for some reason. I don't know why. I think it's Mr. Holland's opus is making it difficult for me. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Richard Dreyfus was not necessarily the funny part of the story. Okay. He was in a show on Broadway called Sly Fox back when I was in, I want to say high school. It was like late high school, early college, maybe sometime around there. And mom wanted to go see Wicked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll take you. And I got mom tickets to see Wicked because it, mom was obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And uh, Wicked I was, was not like... not expecting the significantly gayer version of The, the Wizard I know. of Oz that she received. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and Wicked was right around the corner from the theater where Sly Fox was playing with Richard Dreyfus. And mom and I were walking down the street past the theater. And mom was like, oh, Richard Dreyfus. Uh that's so cool like what a huge movie star because you know how mom was yeah. she loved like anything to do with hollywood mm-hmm. and and movies and things She's like big that into to glamour and there were all these people outside the stage door waiting for richard dreyfus because right. apparently the show had like just ended yeah and this like side door opened and we were walking by the theater and this side door like i don't know five feet away mm-hmm. from us opened and Richard Dreyfus just like walked out onto the street like at, at like a run like getting away from this mob of people and as he and like it was 
it had to have been moments after mom was like, oh, Richard Dreyfus, that's so cool. He's, I really like Richard Dreyfus. He like walked out. He saw me and mom like stop dead in our tracks. And he just like went, hello. And like ran away and like said hello to me and mom. I would have like instantly turned into Linda Belter just shouting after him, say bite radius, say bite radius. (laughs) (laughs) Say this was not a boat accident. (laughs) (laughs) This was not a boating accident. Uh, it was, it was just such a, cause mom literally like her jaw hit the sidewalk and she just looked at me like, did that just happen? And I was like, yeah, that happened. (laughs) It's, it's funny because like, I've always had luck like that. I'll just kind of like run into famous people on the street and Bob and Kevin used to make fun of me for it because I've run into, I mean, I've made fun of you for it because like I have. I did the like high school theater kid thing where we're like we waited by every stage door <laughs> and mm-hmm. like like you could be there for 45 minutes and then find out they went home a half hour ago like like they snuck out some way and like, <laughs> they, they were nowhere near you at any point like, <laughs> like not even in the theater like, it was all projection <laughs> like I'm pretty sure Joel Gray like apparated through the ceiling when I went to go see Wicked because no one saw him leave that building and it was not a matinee like I'm pretty sure he like he was so tiny he just folded up into his assistant's suitcase and they carried him out like a ventriloquist <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> Where did you come from? <laughs> Mississippi. I feel like Joel Gray is the kind of guy that, like, if you sing like the first couple lines of Bill Common, it's like, it's like, who framed Roger Rabbit? Like, he has to answer. <laughs> to <laughs> like, it's probably not true. But it's a theory that I would like to see tested. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> mind. I've, I am sad to say I've never met Joel Gray. I did meet George Hearn, though, outside mm-hmm. of Wicked. And George Hearn is like a hero of mine because he was in La Caja Fall. Uh, that was amazing. I'm getting to meet George Hearn. I also met Adina Menzel. I have also met Adina Menzel. I also met Adina Menzel outside the stage door of Wicked, and she was a very lovely person. She was very sweet. She was very nice. She's very short. Yeah, she is surprisingly short. She looks <laughs> much taller than she is. And I and think then, it's because she's so like skinny and long looking. Yeah, but then you see a picture of her next to who at the time was her husband, Tay Diggs. And it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. And Tay, Tay Diggs, Diggs is, is not very he's tall tiny. either. <laughs> he's, he's very small. I, I ran into <laughs> him as well I, because I, I was working with a wig designer named Perfidia and I love Perfidia. She's really wonderful. She's like a New York City staple. But she was doing hair for the Broadway production of Hedvig and Tay Diggs was in the show at the time. And Bob the Drag Queen and I were going to pick up hair from Perfidia backstage at Hedwig. So we went into the backstage and like as we were walking in, Tay Diggs was like walking out. And I was like, my God, he's a munchkin. <laughs> <laughs> Adina Menzel was very comfortable with the material for Wicked. She was she felt very Apparently. <laughs> my goodness. That's fine. Um <clears throat> Jaws. So anyway, um, and I'm so I'm actually kind of mad that we got off topic because I was so excited to do this. Episode. We have plenty of time, like, don't you worry. We had actually planned to do this up to do this episode around July 4th because that is, of course, when the events of Jaws take place. Mm-hmm. And like we were both kind of having a bad day today, so I'm like, "Fuck it, we're gonna do Jaws." Like I don't even care. <laughs> I don't like, care. Like I'll do Jaws three at July 4th. That's fine. Like, 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 the three deepening. The three deepening. <laughs> yes, the one set in Sea World with fucking, you know, like <laughs> with the, 3D glasses with and. The better quaid brother you know like well that was was that randy quaid yeah i think so which one's the crazy one dennis Dennis. no dennis quaid is the one that's in dennis quaid is normal and randy randy quaid is crazy randy crazy yeah (laughs) he's the one in independence day who's like they probed me in the ass (laughs) yeah it's not it's not that quaid it's the other quaid and then dennis quaid is like well and the other quaid is like they're going like i don't know as in 
arguably not the worst Jaws movie. Like, <laughs> but it, not by and it's much. Absolutely no, it is far and away better than like I like upfront. Clearly, the first Jaws film is the best. It is it is mm-hmm. a movie classic. It transcends genre. It is it is a borderline perfect movie, and I love it. Yeah, like. Jaws 2 is just as satisfying as Jaws 1. Not as revolutionary. Not but as just revolutionary as and not as like filmmaking technically cool, but like yeah. still a very satisfying movie. Jaws 3 is just shameless, Nonsense. chaotic fun. Yeah. And Jaws the Revenge is a pile of crap. <laughs> like <laughs> The like shark roars. Everything about this movie is terrible <laughs> except for like Lorraine Gary and my and Michael Caine. Like, Michael Caine is like the best, second best part of the movie. Lorraine yeah, Gary is I think Lorraine is Gary is really good. Like Although she, she's, I will she's say. Doing a, she's doing a lot with very little given to her. Yeah. Like, yeah. I will say that the actor who played Mike... Mike. He did a good job. It's and, not even that he did a good job. I just thought he was very attractive. That's fair. So I was like, okay, I can I can enjoy this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, especially because by then she's the only person who was in the original that's in that film. So yeah. it's like, that's, that's actually not true. There's a couple, like one of my favorite, the only thing I like about Jaws the Revenge, right, is the fact that when, spoiler alert for this 30-year-old movie, after like, well no the original <laughs> one is is getting close to 50 but we're not quite there yet but when did the fourth one come out the late 80s uh early 80s i want to say it was 84 maybe huh i want to say it was 83 or 84 it doesn't so it's 36 matter. yeah it, i believe it is still older than me but not by much <laughs> that's damn near 40 but um every episode i feel like i I should just at some point say it's coming and it's an old it's coming Um, but um what the fuck was i saying what 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 i was saying was there actually the only like thing about revenge that i really liked was after um sean brody dies in the first 10 minutes again Mm -hmm. spoiler alert for this movie that a you should never see because it's terrible um, and, and I would have seen by that. now. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, if you want to hate watch it drunk, by all means, be my <laughs> guest. But like, don't expect to have a good time. I mean, it's not gonna be as it's not gonna be anywhere near as good as the first three. But it I, is I like, find it, like one of those like nauseating because of how bad it's like campy, stupid shark <laughs> it's, movie. It's fun. not though because like this is the okay. But first, the thing I liked. We'll, we'll do a we'll do a compliment sandwich. I, I am, <laughs> <laughs> um no, but. After he dies, they, they kind of cut to the Brody house and Lorraine Gary is there. And um, the woman who plays one of the the sort of louder townspeople in the first one, the one who's like, I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny, <laughs> funny at, at all. all. They brought her back. She's she's there in a cameo. She doesn't say anything, but she's there. <laughs> it's her and Lorraine Gary are yeah, the only it's, two it's original her, actors. Lorraine Gary. And they are actually the only two original actors because um, Polly who is um, the, secretary. the secretary of the police station is actually yeah. played by a different actress in Jaws 1 and Jaws 2. Oh, I didn't know that. And they brought back the actress who played her in Jaws 2 um. for Jaws the Revenge. She wasn't in Jaws 1 mm. um, because Polly got recast between the first and the second movie. How rude. <clears throat> I am personally of the opinion that I like second Polly better. Really? Um, I think she's more expressive. I think she's more fun. Or first the, Polly. She's fine. She does a fine job. She doesn't have a lot to do. But like... the. She, Polly has kind of more to do in that second movie, and she she's a bit. They should have brought Mrs. Kintner back. No, I, 
I think we all had enough of Mrs. Kinder. But um, yeah, no. So the compliment sandwich on Jaws the Revenge, because we're starting with the worst movie for some reason, um, <laughs> is I like that. There is a scene in Jaws the Revenge where you see the the, the Jaws I know shark and it is not floating upright. It is it is like tilted. I know. Like like it's off kilter. It looks like a goldfish that is about to give up the ghost and like you can see like bits of foam rubber like flapping in the in the in the fucking and oh my god, I saw this in HD. Like in the last two years, and I'm like, oh my god, it gets worse. <laughs> like, like it How looks dead. Possible? Like it hasn't even shown up re- yet, really, and it already looks dead. And then it's making Godzilla noises at the end. And they, they, like, like, it's, it's it just, sounds it's a like complete nightmare of 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 a film when looked at from any kind of like re- position of reality. But like <laughs> the shark was played by what's his name, like Herbert from Family the, the Guy. The shark could been played by a turd in the toilet bowl and would have had more personality but what's the pedophile's name from family guy herbert herbert <laughs> he played bruce and i'm sorry in I, I heard Sport. what's the pedophile's name and i had a moment where i'm like that is one thing that actually wasn't in jaws of revenge and i'm, <laughs> I'm not sure that i want to give him credit for it that, even. Sh- that <laughs> shark was really fucked up <laughs> No, um, compliment sandwich. The other like one truly good moment of Jaws: The Revenge was the banana boat attack was actually pretty good. The banana boat attack is, was and is pretty actually good. pretty scary. Yeah, and that, that's that's kind of what I'm gonna give it. I also think the dream sequence with Lorraine was done reasonably well. It was done reasonably well. I think they were kind of trying to like half-assed recreate kind of the the Jaws camera the, work. The, the Jaws camera work to yeah. kind of get around the fact that the shark wasn't working, but their shark as ineffective as it was, was working. <laughs> so it's like you had a working shark. You knew it was a piece of shit. So yeah. you tried to use the camera and you're not Steven Spielberg. Like, I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, back to the good movie. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. The first one. This movie is absolutely iconic. I mean, it It was the, uh, was it the first shark movie? No. I mean, it, it wasn't the first movie where shark attack was was a thing um i think it was the first one where <clears throat> it was kind of the main point of it like there there were definitely other movies where sharks were used as kind of like particularly like adventure movies and, and things like that yeah and batman yeah and batman with, Adam West <laughs> with the bat shark got the repellent. bat repellent spray it's the bat shark repellent specifically the, like the he's got like he's got a spray. blue shark hanging off his knee <laughs> And he's like spraying it, like he's macing it, like, <laughs> it's like ah ah ah. <laughs> and the shark is like, oh, potent batch and fall. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, like sharks had been my used. eyes. It burns. Like you know, the the, the sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads it is is in fact kind of derived from that sort of like sharks as yeah booby trap thing that happened in adventure movies a lot. But I think this was kind of the first time we'd seen one where the point of it was the shark yeah um you know and the shark was such an ominous character yeah uh, because in and the other one it's always a it's kind of a throwaway situation yeah it's, it's kind like, of a oh, oh they throw him to sharks yeah yeah <laughs> uh but i think in jaws it's like it it's like you said it's the first time that the real villain is the shark for the whole story I mean, I have heard interesting arguments that the shark is not the villain. Not that he's a protagonist, but that he's kind of like a secondary antagonist and that the real antagonist is, of course, Mayor Vaughn. 
yeah. um, who is not doing things maliciously, but is like a raging just idiot, criminally incompetent. <laughs> but, he's like um, he's not quite Mitch McConnell, but he's it's like close. <laughs> he's um, damn close. Yeah, no. Um, I frequently shark. Um, I I've seen this meme a couple times, and I repost it every time I see it. Is like. The mayor from Jaws 1 is still the mayor in Jaws 2, and this is why local elections are important. <laughs> like, like, like that, that concept hits home I know. very deeply to me. I know. But, but um, yeah, no, I've, I've kind of seen that argument made that, like, you know, you can't really, like, the, the shark is an animal that's doing what it does. And obviously it's, like, blown way out of proportion because otherwise plot doesn't happen. Hmm. Like, first of all, um, it's a 25-foot shark. Which is, which is a thing that doesn't does not happen. Yeah, almost unless ever. it's a whale shark, which is um, not nearly <clears throat> as... certainly not in great whites. Um, I think the largest recorded great white shark ever caught on camera was twenty one feet. Yeah, and it was a very heavily pregnant female mm-hmm. who was, and the female great whites are significantly larger than the male ones. <laughs> she's swimming on her side. Um, she's like, ah. <laughs> she's listening. Yeah, but she, she's got heartburn. Okay, like she's got she's, she's got, got ten great white pups in there who are actively eating each other. She's looking like, everywhere for like pickles and got, ice cream. She's got a fucking excuse. The, the shark, the shark and Jaws of Revenge had no excuse. Like she's, you know, she's experiencing some cravings. Her hormones are out. What of do whack. you think a pregnant great white craves? Um, I would imagine the same thing every great white cl- craves, which is. <laughs> Plenti- plentiful sea lions and <clears throat> like to be left alone <laughs> like she's like why do i want pickles i don't i've never even seen a pickle she's like chasing a seal she's like i don't know what this is about this makes she's me like, cry you, so bad she's like, like can you make sea pickles out of sea cucumbers how do i do this i mean can you brine something that lives in salt water like, <laughs> like i don't even know if that works <laughs> but um yeah no i do think this is kind of the first movie where we see it's it's certainly not the first kind of man versus nature story that we've seen in, no. in, in, in cinema, but this is the first one to feature heavily, prominently a shark. And this one was based on a story that was told by Peter Benchley previously in the novel Jaws. Yes, he did write the novel Jaws. You read Jaws several I did. times. I have. I have actually, I'm sad and embarrassed to say, never read Jaws. Um, Jaws is one of those special books on my shelf. Um, where I actually believe that the movie is superior. Really? Yeah. That and like a handful of Stephen King novels, mostly the <laughs> ones that were directed by Frank Darabont. Yeah. Um, I would argue the movie is better. By how much? <laughs> because I don't know exactly what the m- main differences are between that and the book. And um, honestly, I don't really want to know because I do plan okay, to read fine. the book. Yeah, no, I won't get too, too <clears throat> deep into it. But um. There's a handful of, of plot changes that they made to kind of cut for time and, and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And um, there's a lot that's more explicit in the book that is less explicit in the movie. And I think it actually works a little better. In terms of violence? Um, Not necessarily in terms of violence, but in terms of kind of letting the audience infer based on what characters are seeing what's going on versus mm. a narrator telling you that it's happening. And honestly, it's something that makes me glad that Jaws was made in the 70s rather than like present now. day because I think that that's I think that that's kind of a it's a trap that modern filmmakers fall into because Effects are so sophisticated now. Yeah. They almost... You can th- show me everything. Yeah, there's nothing you can't do. So it's like, well, there's... I, I feel like the creativity in uh, movies that came out of the 70s, for instance, 
was born out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that as much today well, because there is like, no necessity. This movie, and I think we're jumping ahead in the outline a little bit, but that's fine. This movie is sort of notoriously this this was a shit show to make. Yeah. Like like a shit show from day one to wrap. Like they went <laughs> over time, over budget. <laughs> like like everything about this didn't work the first time they tried it. Like like I think they sank the orca something like twelve times. Like <laughs> save, save the cameras. Like, save the cameras. Like the, What about the, the actors? The book that is sort of the like behind the scenes retelling of how this movie was made is literally called The Shark Is Not Working. Is it really? <laughs> that is that is what it's called. Like, Are, like, isn't there's... there a version of Bruce somewhere still? Um, Bruce, by the, the way, for or, people who yeah, don't know, if is you are unaware. the name that was given to, to the, the, animatronic, the shark. animatronic shark. And it was named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were actually, I believe, and it's been a while since I read the behind the scenes stuff, so forgive me. There were three different Bruce's made for the production. And mm-hmm. At least two of them are known to be sort of lost to um destruction really yeah i believe one of them burned up on a universal lot um there was a big fire at universal I oh believe, shit in the early 80s and it happened to get bruce <laughs> oh brucey um, and one of them i believe they just left at the bottom of the ocean in martha's vineyard because it was just <laughs> it was just too much effort to pull it out don't you think there are fish swimming around like oh god I mean, it's probably oh. decomposed by now. <laughs> like, at least It's like the Titanic. No, but... Um, <laughs> People I are swimming by. It's like... Doo, doo, doo. Actually, no, because cause one of the other things was, like, Jaws was a fairly big production for Universal, and they expected it to do well, but I don't think they expected it to be as popular as it was. Hmm. And the fact of the matter is that in, like, the 60s and 70s, like, they did not save props and costumes the way we save them now for memorabilia. Like, they just didn't hold on to that stuff that long. Hmm. So... I believe the third shark was auctioned off or destroyed. I'm sure it was sold. I'm sure um, somebody owns it. Or honestly deconstructed to build something else with, like which is a thing that also happened with prop houses about right I feel now. like I've seen pictures though of it still in existence. I mean, I know that I think um at Universal Studios Florida when they still had the Jaws ride, which I missed. Mm. Yeah, um, I, never... I believe they they had one of the original props, but I think it was from Jaws 2, not from Jaws. Oh. I think it was one of the, um, she is affectionately known as Brucette among the... Brucette. Among, <laughs> among the diehard fans of this franchise. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's Bruce, Brucette. She had a little bow on her head. Um, the, shark in <laughs> ja- the shark in Jaws, the revenge is called Vengeance. Vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very dramatic considering how fucking derpy that shark is um <laughs> what was the shark named in three deepening oh i think it was brucetta <laughs> she was tomatoes on yeah she was <laughs> italian bread <laughs> she's a little vinegary Delicious. tomato heavy lots of onion um and still like i think one of my favorite visuals from this series the fact that it's a crappy movie be damned is just that last shot of her swimming toward the glass because oh it's yeah, just, it's so terrible, but it's so it's good. awful. But it scared but the crap good. out of me. It's like the scary. first couple times I saw it, like it is terrifying to look at. But um, <clears throat> anyway, back to Bruce, who is scarier than Brucetta. Um, Bruce is scarier than everyone. Yeah, Bruce is scarier than pretty much everybody except Robert Shaw, um, <laughs> <laughs> and possibly Mrs. Kittner. She's got a mean backhand. <laughs> the shark's like, like, "Ow, why is she?" I would, I'll stop I would it. not want to play tennis with Mrs. Kittner. 
like like that was some that was some William sisters they nonsense know. when she hit fucking fuck, yeah fuck Quint like, they should have just sent Mrs. Kinner out on a rowboat yeah I don't know why she's hiring people they should have just given that lady a she gun in a canoe she turns into Joan Crawford she's like fuck you you damn shark and then Ripley from Alien that that's an interesting. I want to see that fan movie. Like Mrs. Kittner takes vengeance, takes justice into her own hands. She's swimming in the water, like <laughs> with a knife in her mouth. Like. Um, the battle of, of Mrs. Kittner. Yeah, no, this movie was notoriously a shit show from start to finish, and as a result of that, there were a lot of things that Steven Spielberg kind of had to work around. And I believe personally that a lot of them made the movie a lot better. A lot better. Um, namely the fact that because the. Basically, the issue is that the animatronics did not work well in the water, so the shark would constantly stall. My understanding and break is they down. didn't work particularly well on land. They didn't work anywhere. <laughs> like, I mean, it was very early in, like, in hydraulic. Very temperamental. He, he yeah. had a lot of bad days. But because of that, they had to find other ways to make the shark "quote unquote" appear, yeah. and that entailed. That was how the barrels, the yeah, air the barrels, barrels came about. Deal. Um, it was a big function of the music, yeah, the music and the camera work the underwater. Yeah, because the the camera work was obviously from the point of view of the shark, and the music kind of cued the audience into the fact that we were hunting and yeah. looking for something to mm-hmm. and also kind of like it almost keys you into his emotional state, like in a weird way, because it kind of goes from that like sort of da-dum. That kind of like resting heartbeat level to the it's whereas he's he's in attack mode. He's coming up, the seal cam is there, we're gonna see nothing nothing but jaws and teeth. It's terrifying. I have said many times on this podcast that sharks are one of my biggest fears, and that is in huge part because of this movie. I I think like I have a hard time swimming in the ocean. And like granted, I have I love sharks. Like I am absolutely 100% a sharkophile like I fucking love sharks and I watch shark week every year and like there is nothing you can tell me about sharks that I won't find interesting <laughs> but yeah no if you tell me like yeah we're going to the beach you want to get in the water I'm like fuck no you know why because I've seen jaws <laughs> it's like and most shark attacks happen in three feet of water in three feet of water ten feet away from the beach <laughs> and I pulled a suit tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of a boat out there you'd love to prove that <laughs> get your name in the G- national geographic <laughs> It's like my favorite thing ever. Like all I want out of life is like a fake National Geographic cover with like Richard Dreyfuss's face on it. But like, looking like Bob Ross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why do you think you have said that this movie is your favorite? Yes. Why do you think it registers as your favorite movie? I think it was kind of some of it is just the fact that like I think it was the first movie I ever watched. And I've, I've kind of told the story before. Um, that I saw this movie far too young and it was kind of the first grown-up movie I was allowed to watch mm. like like a movie that was objectively a grown-up movie and like I was just completely hooked from like minute <laughs> one to minute zero and like I always say zero when it should be like 100 or whatever it is but it doesn't matter um, <clears throat> but like it scared the crap out of me and I think I, I watched it like we rented it from Blockbuster and I think I watched it like three times in a weekend and, like, just every time, like, noticing other little things. Yeah. And, like, I think as I got older, it was also kind of the first movie where I looked at it and I understood, like, I could see sort of the brush strokes on the canvas, so to speak. Like, I could see mm-hmm. the technique behind it. And I could yeah. see, like, what they were doing. And it's the first movie that I ever appreciated that, really. 
So I think some of it's first love stuff. And I think some of it is just the fact that no matter how many times I watch it, I still have an emotional reaction to certain scenes. Like I've never, I've always had a hard time actually, as much as we'll make fun of Mrs. Kintner. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I have a hard time watching that scene. Like, yeah. like I feel uncomfortable for Roy Scheider and like, you can see how angry she is. And it's just like, and even the customer service like, rep. And yeah. yeah. The customer service <laughs> rep. And you go, <gasps> like, like, had the same thing happen to me at Old yeah, Navy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> that time you killed a kid at Old Navy. <laughs> you knew you... there was a wolf in the khakis. <laughs> and you let people go shopping anyway. You knew you were out of sweaters. Because it's also like, in the moment, like, you feel so angry for him. And, and it's you, your first reaction is the same as Mayor Vaughn. It's like, that's not fair. That wasn't fair. And then when he says, no, no, she's not like your emotion immediately switches like yeah. it's, it's just it's a beautifully written movie it's a beautifully shot m- movie like there's nothing about it that pulls you out of the film even with the like 70s animatronics like <laughs> like you can very clearly see the hinges and bruce's uh, yeah, mouth when yeah. he pops out to eat quint but like i don't see them like, like i don't know what it is if i'm just like blinded by affection for this film but it's like it's like my brain tunes it out it's like i don't see it <laughs> I, I don't know like it could be completely I mean, I agree with you. There are times when, like, the animatronics can be a little bit distracting to me, but not to the point where I ever lose any of my love for the film. Yeah, and it never, like, pulls me out of it. No. Like, it it never makes me stop and go, my God, does that look bad? Like, no. And especially because there are other. uh, By the time you see the shark in all its glory, you've already been made so afraid of it that it doesn't matter like the the scene on the dock with the with the pot roast uh (laughs) is so terrifying to me swim trolley swim (laughs) all of a sudden teddy from so so you want me you want me to pull you out of the water what do you you want me to do what do you want me to do use hand signals say something Pull me out, Teddy. So, so should I pull you out? Should I, should I get you out of the water? Yeah, should Teddy. I, should I get a stick or should I just reach down with Teddy, my hands? Teddy, he's coming! <laughs> oh, okay, just give me give me your hand. No, which hand should I pull you out with? Left or right? This is going to be another Bob's Burgers episode. And to be fair, it's because Bob's Burgers did a Jaws spoof. But it's... Ah, <laughs> my boidle! <laughs> Dad, how I want to go. Destroying the restaurant. <laughs> No, but um, but it is that yeah. the, the moments like that are what make that movie so terrifying because Steven Spielberg really was like a master filmmaker, and I say things like this to David all the time. I've I've watched a lot of documentaries and read a lot about Steven Spielberg. Spielberg, oh Jesus, <laughs> I'm so hungry. Um, Steven Spielberg, uh, because I'm so drawn to his process. I think it's so interesting the way he goes, okay, I have a problem. How am I going to work around it? And it's so similar to the way I work when I'm being creative. It's like, okay, well, I want to accomplish this thing, but I don't have all the resources. What am I going to do? Yeah. And that's when the magic happens. And Yeah, because when you're forced to not do something the easy way, you have to like really sell it. And yeah. sometimes that makes it look way better. Way better. Yeah. <laughs> And I think in the hands of someone who's who's very creative that way, you see the magic happen when they have to make something happen that is not possible. Yeah. So I, I will say that that is one of the things that 
I am most drawn to in that movie is kind of the use of I want to say effects, but it's like they're almost not effects. It's the use of other storytelling mechanisms. Yeah. It's it's the like when when you look at certain directors and they have their signatures and they have their you, you know, there are certain things you can expect from them and and things of that nature. Like some of them like I'm looking at you, Michael Bay. Like there's 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 gonna be a hundred <laughs> explosions, and it's gonna be a, like just yeah. nothing but CGI. And like, it's just it feels one of the thing reasons I don't like Michael Bay movies is it feels like there's such a focus on one thing that everything else gets ignored. And like Steven Spielberg, like some of my other very favorite directors, like Frank Darabont and a couple of other people, like you know that every tool in the box is going to get used. Like, nothing mm-hmm. gets neglected entirely. Like, there are certain things that, you know, he doesn't use as much, but, like, you're never going to get a one-note thing from mm-hmm. him. Like, he's always going to use everything at his disposal. Like, there's um there's shots later on in the movie when Hooper's in the cage that they, they're using footage of real sharks that they shot off the coast of Australia mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and then enlarged to make it look very big. Um, <laughs> one of the things they did actually was that they got a, um, a, a, an, an actor who was very small <laughs> I, um, and put him in a very small shark cage and put him in the water with a reasonably large great white to kind of shoot those scenes where the shark is like sort of circling Hooper. Mm-hmm in the cage and i think it, it looks very effective um but that's also why like when you're watching that scene like in some scenes like you can see like the shark has like a bit of rope hanging out of its mouth and in other scenes it doesn't yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like so it's it's one of those things but again it's like those little goofs don't bother me that much like like i, I don't know what it is i don't know if it's just me being forgiving because it's my favorite movie but like like stuff that would bother me in any other movie doesn't bother me in jaws at all like <laughs> but i think it's because you recognize the magic. That's something Steven Spielberg is so brilliant at, is achieving the the magic. He's so good at making you suspend your disbelief. And you see it not... It's one of my highest compliments, not only about Jaws, but also about, like, Jurassic Park, is that... And Jurassic Park is, like, easily in my top three. Yeah, easily. <laughs> and Even though it's, in many ways, sort of a very similar movie. <laughs> It's very similar. It's man versus wild. And the idea of like, well, should we even be doing this is is kind of prevalent. But it's, I think the way this is with Jurassic Park, it's kind of the way Trick or Treat is with Krampus. It's like it has very similar themes, but it's a different story and and very Yeah, and both are so satisfying that it doesn't matter. It's it's the two cake theory. It's, I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, so I'm going to explain it. I'm it's like familiar. you as a creator, if you put, like, let's say you were you had like a potluck baked thing at work and you bring in a cake and your coworker's cake looks beautiful and yours like clearly is frosted with Duncan Hines. Like <laughs> you're going to sit there and go, oh man, that guy's cake is so much better than me. And then, then the next person who walks up goes, sweet, two cakes. Because they don't give a shit. There's two cakes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, I'm a big proponent of the two cakes theory. Like whenever you're feeling down about like what you're creating, because like <laughs> at the end of the day, someone's going to like it and they're just going to be thrilled that it was there. But, you know, I never <clears> thought <throat> about that. That's a really interesting theory. If I could take my own advice, I'd be published by now. I know. That's what I was, but, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, wow, if I could actually commit that advice yeah. to heart, I'd probably enjoy my work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, no. So I I view Jaws and Jurassic Park as as just two beautiful cakes. One of, they one, are two beautiful. Cakes. One of which, like the center, fell down a little bit, but they filled it with buttercream. So who cares? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's kind of. I, I will say that in his more recent storytelling, I think Steven Spielberg has leaned a little bit farther into the CGI world than I really pr- would prefer, but. That was kind of the beauty of Jurassic Park. It was it was the beginning of CGI. Yeah. And it it was all about telling the story. And that's why I really appreciate Steven Spielberg and especially his work on Jaws is that you have this amazing monster movie, but it's also got such a compelling story and is so well written and interesting in so many different ways. Don't don't you think? I, I think like I always have a hard time picking which scares me more, kind of the the shark, <laughs> mm. or the fact that like I have a real problem like watching competent people be ignored, and like <laughs> Brody and Hooper <laughs> in this movie are standing here going like, you know, it's that fucking National Geographic scene again. It's it's that, you know like <laughs> there's a I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of a wrecked hole the boat out there and like Mayor Vaughn's just like. The, the, fucking about with the painting just like <laughs> which is another one of my favorite lines in the fucking movie ever it's like i want those little paint happy bastards caught and hung up by, by their busker browns like that's, that's such a wonderful <laughs> thing to say but um, <laughs> but um yeah no it's that kind of like that that guy who's standing there and going like yeah whatever like i'm just gonna do what i want to do and it really doesn't matter and then he gets eaten by aliens except <laughs> except the mayor and jaws never die the mayor and jaws do meanwhile that poor uh babysitter in jurassic world right <laughs> my poor precious baby angel katie mcgrath yeah. katie mcgrath oh no <laughs> gets the worst death in I've ever cinematic seen in history um just painful to watch in all, all areas especially since like when she came on screen the first time I'm like oh yay it's katie mcgrath this is gonna be great and then by the end i'm like i am personally offended like i'm offended <laughs> like, like like i feel personally attacked <laughs> but um like why would you do that to my precious baby angel katie mcgrath but um yeah no mayor vaughn never gets eaten which is a which is a, i feel um a major detriment to the series's integrity but not not really I'm being sarcastic. I'm going to ask a question that you would know much better than I. Um, And I don't want a spoiler, but I do want an answer. (laughs) Okay. Are there people who die in the book that do not die in the movie? Yes. Oh, God. Now I want to. Oh, God. I have to find an audio book to listen to (laughs) in the car. I really want to listen to Jaws now. I think I. I feel like we should beep this out. Like we're gonna get like run down by the Amazon police, but like I can give you my login to Audible. I have it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I have subscriptions to. For those of you who are listening and just heard a really long beep, I admitted that I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna give pissy my password. I have subscriptions yeah, I to, <laughs> to services where I can. I know, but to I already spent the credit on it, so you don't have to like. Oh well, thank you. I actually uh, I use a a service called Scribed. And they have a lot of you pay. It's like it's like Netflix basically yeah. for audiobooks, and you don't have the limitations that. Yeah, Audible I know. Has. The, the, one of the things I like about Audible is that it stays in my library no matter what. So it's yeah. it's more like I own the book. So like, if I want to listen to it again later, like I can just re-download it and do it. You know, and even if I quit the service, like I yeah. always own them. For all that I say about hating streaming services, uh, Scribed is the only one where I'm like, yeah, this works for me because I'm like, I don't. 
I don't. I mean, reread. Shutter's pretty good too. I feel the need to point out. No, I'm. I, but I'm saying, like, in <laughs> terms of getting that. rid of hard copy <laughs> movies yeah. and music, Scribed is the only one that I don't feel as passionate about, and I think it's simply because I typically do not do a lot of rereading of books, with the exception possibly of David Sedaris books. So I don't. I don't always feel the need to own a copy of the book, especially because. So many of the books I read are audiobooks. So I'm See, like, I re-listen to stuff all the time. Do you? Yeah, I do. I very rarely do. I mean, that's neither here nor there. Back to Jaws. <laughs> Back to Jaws. Anyways, Jaws. Uh, I refuse to do that this episode. We are going to talk <laughs> as much about this movie. I will, as much about Jaws as we possibly can. <laughs> I will can. keep you here as long as it takes. You can only keep them till four. I, I will, will keep, keep you, you here, here till, till four. four. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I really am curious to hear your answer about is the fact that this movie was made in 1975. It was actually the same year that Rocky Horror came out. Yeah, because Rocky Horror's ad campaign was was a different set of Jaws. Yeah, it was wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have that poster somewhere. Do you? Yeah. I I would love to see it. I have so much Rocky Horror shit. We should talk about Rocky Horror we're gonna, one day. We're gonna Maybe. at a bear. I think that's actually a full episode one. I think it counts. A full I uh, yeah that it counts doesn't as have horror. to be. It doesn't have to be a movies that made us gay. It's queer it's camp nice. horror comedy. Yeah, like clearly. Yeah. Like slash musical theater. Yes. <laughs> if nothing else, Susan Sarandon's clothes in that movie are horrific. So we should talk about that. Well, she's not in them for most of the movie. Yeah, but it's ugly underwear. <laughs> it did nothing for me. It's a satin slip and a bra. Doesn't matter. We're talking about it now. So let's back to Jaws. Focus. Focus. Jaws came out in 1975. Yes. Do you think that this movie is as scary today as it was in 1975? I think it's difficult to say because I think that, like, obviously I can't put myself in the shoes of a person who's grown up exclusively with movies that have like really heavy CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like our nephew or niece. Yeah. Like, I don't know how scary Zach would find this movie because he's going to look at it and go, that looks really fake. I would yeah. argue that the CGI sharks in shark night were, looked way faker or the CGI shark in Meg looked way faker. But um, I actually me. agree. And even um, what was the, what was that? The name of that movie with Blake Lively. Uh, oh, uh, the shallows. I think the shallows, like one of those shark movies. Yeah, the the shark in that did not look terribly real. realistic. I, I mean, I remember seeing in the trailer that it looked better than a, a lot, lot of the, the other, other shark movies yeah. that I've seen. Even five hundred like, meters it lo- it down, looked, it looked closer. Or what was 50 47. Me- 47 meters yeah. down? I was like, 500 meters down. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> She's exploding. 1,500 feet. She didn't make it that far. She imploded about 1,000 meters above that. Listen, math <laughs> and science were never my strong suit. They weren't mine either. I just happened to know a lot about this because I love sharks. Um, but 47 meters down. Yeah, no, I think that definitely, like, it looked better and it looked more realistic, but it was also still clearly CGI. Yeah. Um, and I think for whatever reason, again, I don't know if this is just a, an age thing in that I grew up in a time where CGI was not as heavily used, but like, I feel like mm-hmm. I see the, I see the lines on CGI I do a, too. a lot more than I do on a good animatronic. I agree. And I think it's because it, it, it and I, I'm sure I've talked about this before. We are old fogies. I know we are, we are old fogies. I apologize. Um, <laughs> David does a lot of photo editing work. 
And so one of the things we'll talk about a lot is like when you're superimposing something from that, like, let's say he wants to make it look like you're in a photo with a giant water bottle, but we don't have a giant water bottle prop. So he's going to take a photo of a water bottle and Mm -hmm. blow it up and make it look and cut it out and put it in the photo with you and make it look like it is next to you in this Mm -hmm. photo. There are so many elements that people don't consider. Everything from like lighting to shadows to the fact that it is a real thing casts certain mm-hmm. elements that are so difficult to accurately replicate with, with a computer-generated computer imagery. What you're using is not like when the object itself is created by a computer. It's very that's what I'm saying. It's it's very difficult to make it look <laughs> convincing because it does not cast shadows and and port and cast and it's, light it's going the to be way kind of existing on a separate plane from the rest of the image. And that is my problem with a lot of uh, non animatronic sharks. Like you look at a movie like deep blue sea. Yeah. The sharks in that are probably the best version of animatronic sharks in yeah, most I mean, of like, the scenes. They used a lot of CGI in Deep Blue Sea. They also they used a lot of real footage of real sharks. Real footage of sharks, sometimes but, inaccurately. Like, yeah. There was, <laughs> there's, there's one shot in there where it is very clearly a great white, and they've been saying for like the last hour that they were Mako sharks. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> so they're going like, yeah, Makos don't look like that. <laughs> it's like it doesn't have the right teeth, which is actually an interesting point as long as we're here. This is like, in case you were unclear on this, I feel like everyone knows this piece of Jaws trivia, but it's fine. On the poster for Jaws, those teeth are completely inaccurate. Oh yeah, because um, the graphic They're designer, far too thin. the graphic designer that made the poster felt that Mako teeth were scarier looking than great white teeth, so he gave the shark Mako teeth, even though the shark in the film was a great white. <laughs> so that's your weird biology trivia thing for today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just love this movie. So you much. you lo- <laughs> you have like the most interesting uh, takeaways I, I mean, from this movie. I, I just. I, I know so many like stupid little minutiae things about it that I feel like two hours isn't enough for me to spit them all out <laughs> into a microphone. And no one wants to hear that. But I'm going to throw in like my favorites. I thought you were going to keep going. Okay, okay. <laughs> you opened your mouth like you were going to speak. So I was Well, like, I thought you were going to keep talking. So okay. I stopped. Um, I, I do love this movie because it's like you said, I will always love a movie that uses animatronics more than I love a movie that uses CGI. And the shark attacks in this movie, I actually think are a lot scarier than most of the shark attacks in newer movies. I think they're scarier than virtually any of them. Like, I can't... There are a couple of attacks actually in uh, The Shallows that I think are relatively scary. I mean, that's fair. I I didn't... um... I didn't watch The Shallows all the way through, I'll be totally honest. Really? Um, because you lost interest? Or because I, I, I had to put it down for some reason. I just never went back to it. Hmm. Um, it wasn't really holding on to me that well. Um, some of the found footage stuff in that movie, but like with the GoPro. Yeah, I can, Im- I can imagine that's going to be like, that's going to be scary as hell. Like, it, like, was, I can... like it, was, it was effectively shot. And right. it was like the image that I have of sharks that scares me yeah. was the image that was in those GoPros. And that's so fair. I was like, okay, that you, you got me. Yeah, no, but like, <laughs> at, the, at the same time, like I'm sitting here going like, I've seen like videos on Reddit where sharks just kind of appear <laughs> that like scare the pants off me. Like but, actual? Like, yeah, like actual like GoPro footage of people diving. <laughs> Like, like there's one particular one and it's I think the caption is like boop, but it's basically like 
there's one dude scuba diving a little ahead of the guy who has the GoPro on and the water is really murky. Like it is like you can't see more than like five feet. Mm-hmm. And like the guy's just he's doing his thing, like not paying attention at all. And all of a sudden, just off the right hand side of the frame, this massive great white shark just comes into the frame oh. like. And I don't think it knew the diver was there because <laughs> it gets startled. And oh like, like, like it kind of like is swimming, swimming. Its nose hits the back of this guy's head and it like immediately like changes course, like like, <laughs> like up and over. And you just, just hear the shark by. go, fuck shit. Oh, but God. it's just like you're sitting there going like, OK, so three living things in this video just shat their pants. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is a two ton apex predator. <laughs> it's like the videos of like (laughs) like tigers when the when the cub like startles it and the the tiger's like ah god jesus (laughs) to be fair they actually think that that's like parenting behavior like they think they're doing it on purpose to like build the cub's confidence like they know they they know the fucking thing is there but it's like you know when you're playing hide and seek with your parents you go boo and they go oh my god like like that's essentially (laughs) what the tiger is doing but (laughs) again weird biology trivia today on my spooky gay family who knew this would be such an educational I know. episode? I'm like sitting here going like, I could totally teach third grade science. I'd like, rock at this. Like, who's going to question me? I but- do though. I think that, I think that the scares in Jaws are the most effective shark scares. I, I think they are too. If nothing else, like, I feel like so many movies, even ones that have good shark attacks in them, like, again, didn't see a lot of the shallows, but like, even the attacks I saw, they were not bad. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, Like, I feel like so much of it depends on that that creepy Im- that creepy visual and the the blood and mm-hmm. the, like like so much of it depends on what you're seeing and yeah. like I honestly think the scariest kill in this movie is and I believe I said this before but I'll say it again is Susan Backlany is Chrissy Watkins mm. in the very opening the first victim I think is the scariest sequence in this movie it is very scary I will say that for me the scariest kill is Alex Kintner. Alex Kintner is bad. Um, I know we've talked about the guy in the pond before. The guy in the boat. the guy in the pond. Ha- that one had the most creepy imagery for me. Yeah, because that's the first time you see it. It's the first time, <laughs> but you. It's like you don't even really like get a yeah, good no, it's just, shot of it. It's, it's like this like murky like, visual of this like open mouthed shark coming towards the guy, yeah, and I actually like, think really it's, slowly. Too. Yeah, relatively slowly, and <coughs> honestly, Excuse it's me. the most realistic looking the shark ever is in yeah. the movie because the murkiness almost has this like RuPaul season one <laughs> filter. It's got Bruce Hedden that, yeah, it like it like covers all the hinges and shit. And you're like, oh God, Joe, no, God, move your legs. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like it's terrible because like you see it coming and he can't see it. I know. Like, like so much of the tension in this movie is kind of you having that clue in just a couple minutes before the characters or just a couple seconds before the characters yeah. really like, even, like, with Alex Kintner's death and, like, I mean, so much of the focus kind of goes to that when Brody realizes what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that that great zoom shot that happens, which yeah. is just fucking iconic. And I've seen so many people try to replicate it. It never works. <laughs> but, like. I mean, it works, but it's never as effective. It works as a reference like, to Jaws, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. But, like, yeah, no, like. Especially because, like, when Alex Kintner gets bit, like, there's still people, like, for a hot two seconds. Like, there's right still people, like, him. playing, like, yeah. two feet away. And then you have that great woman in the surf who's, like, holding her baby and screaming. Oh, oh. <laughs> She's, <laughs> like, the adult Tina Belcher. Like, absolutely <laughs> nothing oh, oh, but screaming. Oh, oh, oh. Um, there's <laughs> also... They should have had Tina do that in the deepening. They should have. Why didn't they? Just, like, pick, just pick up, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> just pick up Gene and start screaming for no huh? reason. Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> There's also, um, I feel so bad because like, I feel like every, I have watched this movie so many times that I have named certain extras. Like, <laughs> no, everyone's watching like, this later. So they're been... they're like, who's who is this this like, receptionist? There have, there I have, have no. She had, didn't have a name. There have been times where I have been talking to someone and I will reference that scene and say like, yeah, no, you know, screaming Mimi, meaning that woman, screaming, and Mimi. no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. But the other one I I usually say is um young Severus Snape because there is one oh, kid. Pip it. No, there's a kid waiting around in the surf, and he is like, first of all, he is clearly having a terrible time. Um, he is like <laughs> milk white, has the Severus Snape haircut, and like, he just has like absolutely no muscle tone, and is just like slogging his way. <laughs> and he's like, wearing a full black cloak. They're like, like two feet of water, and it's one of those things that, like, if you watch this scene now that I've said it, you might be able to pick him out. I want to look. But, like, <laughs> But he's in there. We have to find. We have to find. <laughs> we're gonna find a picture for the. Instagram. A picture for the. Instagram. We swear this time we're gonna do it. Yeah, but we um, always say that we never put pictures. on Yeah, Instagram. we lie to you guys all the time, and feel free to hold us accountable on Twitter. Yeah, please yell at us. Um, yes, please say something. We need the <laughs> like, motivation. But like, um, and just the attention. We like the attention. We do like attention. Um, negative attention, positive attention. It's all good. More the positive. Better positive, but you know. I will ignore negative attention. We're dysfunctional. Um, but yeah, no. Um, so mini Severus Snape waiting around in the. <laughs> Snape. 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 Severus Snape. Snape. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Sorry, it's fine. Bruce just pops out. Uh, um, yeah. What the hell were we talking about? Alex Kinner. Oh, Alex Kinner. I do think that that's the scariest <laughs> kill in the movie. Just because it's like the first time in the movie that you see the like the struggle of a shark attack and like the blood and, and the, it was the, originally oh. supposed to be a lot worse like i know they, they shot the scene where like you saw the shark come up and like you saw him like in its mouth oh shit and there was like blood spurting everywhere and, and they shot it that they, way they shot it that way imagine being that kid uh, i mean i i don't know oh, <laughs> I, I i'm sure the kid was having fun Blah, it just gi- it gives me like the willies no but like it was originally supposed to be like way more graphic and they did shoot it but i think steven spielberg a wasn't happy with how it turned out and mm. b kind of when the producer saw it they were like um we need this to not have an r rating <laughs> like so you need to cut that shit <laughs> oh no like we can practically see it digesting him you have to <laughs> yeah, like you have to you have to pull that back i love bread um i i think it's actually weird like in sort of a plotty way, it weirdly works that you don't really see the shark that well in the Alex Kidd death. Because then, how the fuck would you ever believe that that tiger shark did it later on? Like, who the fuck would have seen a twenty-five foot great yeah, white like, like come out of the damn water, like walk up and shake hands, and then go back in the water, and then like ten minutes later be like, "Yeah, that fifteen-foot tiger shark looks like it could do it." Yeah, the like, shark's walking across exactly the, the beach. Same. Bruce is like, "That's some bad hat, Harry." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bruce is looking at fucking Roy Scheider like nice zinc. He walks back. Like, Watch this. <laughs> like, uh, hold, my, hold my chum. Walks back into the wall. Hold my chum. His friend comes over. Hold me. <laughs> chum is a mixer. I know. I was oil. just I know, making I'm a joke. I'm having my Miss Frizzle episode. Just let this me have really it. This really is your Miss Frizzle episode. I'm having fun. She's a lesbian. I'm allowed to be too. Is she? Well, her original voice actor is Lily Tomlin, and her new voice actor is Kate McKinnon. So clearly, Miss mm. Frizzle is a lesbian. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. Sorry, Rick and Morty fans, you're wrong. Oh. Rick, and, Rick and Morty fans are convinced that, like, 
I don't even remember who the, which one is the f- the fuck is the scientist? Is it Rick or Morty? I don't, I don't watch fucking it. watch this show. But they're absolutely convinced that like Rick's ex wife is Miss Frizzle, and I'm like, no. Oh no. No. Unless oh, no, she no. left him for a woman, like there's no way. Miss <laughs> Frizzle is a lesbian. You heard it here first. <laughs> this just in. I'm outing cartoon characters. <laughs> <laughs> You're like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> you be careful now i'm kidding i'm kidding um i what is your what i know that uh chrissy is your favorite shark attack what's your second i would probably go with the guy in the pond but um one of the one of my favorite ones is actually one that doesn't happen on screen like, is it the guy that they find in the boat? Yeah, Ben Gardner. Yeah. Is is one of my favorite ones because I think it sets up such a good scare. Mm. I mean, it's not technically in a it's it's not technically a favorite shark attack that happened on screen. Again, yeah. like like technically speaking, it had to have happened for us to get the scene, so I'm gonna use it. Yeah. But um yeah, no, that that scene down when Hooper dives down to is the boat, legitimately hard. Um is one of the the better scares in the movie, I think, mm-hmm. personally. <laughs> you never see there's no shark present. He's not and even like, there. It's not, not even, even implied that he's there. And was not in the movie originally. They added it after in post and shot that scene in, I believe, the editor's mom's pool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like they shot that in a swimming pool in California. Like, like they, they put like half a half a boat into the swimming pool, sunk it a little bit and had. <laughs> She's Richard like, Dreyfuss does anyone around. want iced tea? They're yeah. like, we're <laughs> filming, mom. Like, Just back up. <laughs> but yeah no it was added in post because they didn't think they had enough scares so really? i think arguably one of the best scares in the movie got added in post because they didn't think there were enough there were enough scares huh. in the movie i will say I, I do really love that scare as far as good scares i think the best one is quint in the shark cage Hooper in the shark cage. Uh, that's what I yeah, meant. Yeah, Quint was on the deck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he he had a really <laughs> horrific death. Yeah. Um, and probably is the reason I'm afraid of sharks. <laughs> but I, I still think I'm I'm still going to defer to Chrissy. I think Chrissy is the reason I'm scared of sharks. <laughs> but but Quint Quint comes in close. Oh, for me it was Quint. I mean, Chrissy has a scary death to me, but I think that Quint's is more horrifying because you see the like violent predatory. Nature you're, you're of watching the attack. it eat him. Yeah, yeah. And the idea <laughs> it's not just of like killing him, it's eating him. Because that's what scares me. It's like being attacked by a shark. Obviously, is horrifying. Yeah. But like the idea of being eaten, yeah, is, is terrifying. terrifying. Thought. Um, and like, damn, like there goes my existential dread. I know. But, I'm um, like, <laughs> but no, like it's especially because like Robert Shaw's character in that movie, like he yells a little bit, but like for the most part, is kind of subdued. And again, that's mostly the. Please. He never loses his cool. Like he never loses his cool. And then the second he's in there, he's just screaming. Like, like, like. And I mean, Robert Shaw for all, you know, he was drunk as a skunk. Like, really fucking sold that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he was a good actor. He was for an amazing all that he actor. Was drunk. And honestly, um, wrote a large portion of the Indianapolis speech. I know, which is iconic. Which is one of the best sequences in the movie. Um. Especially just like. It's such a weird thing in this kind of movie because you kind of expect it to be action, 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 action. And then you have mm-hmm. this like really Emotional. quiet moment yeah. kind of right before the climax where it's just a character talking into the camera. Like barely anything else is happening. And like it gives me chills every time I hear it. Like, yeah. Because it has those iconic lines that we've actually used as the outro yeah, before. Yeah, I think we, we used the, the, the lifeless eyes, the doll's eyes. And it's like 
it's true. I, that's one of the things that that's the most scary about sharks to anyone is the fact that like here is this horrifying mouth coming at you, but it's like it really does have these like blank it has a blank face yeah. a shark never sneers at you a shark never lets you know that like you it, it's never like angry and then it attacks it's like either the shark is coming at you or it is not because i think one of the one of the things about sharks in particular and and something that they they use pretty effectively in jaws um up until probably the three deepening <laughs> um where the shark does sneer quite notably actually in one scene. <laughs> um <laughs> but um is that like when you see a tiger coming at you like you can see kind of like the intelligent sentience behind its mm-hmm. eyes like you you can see that it's it's angry or it's intense or it's focused or or something yeah like a shark it just looks like there's it's no like a hungry process. hungry hippo like yeah. it's not thinking it's just <laughs> it's just there's meat in front of me and now it's in my mouth yeah like and i've done what i had to to get the meat and now i'm eating it yum 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 Yum, yum, yum. Gotta go poop. Oh, I have Here to we poop. go. Like, <laughs> like, like, there's no, like, it's such a primordial creature. Like, there, there's there's virtually no higher thought process. So That we can discern. It's it's exactly what yeah. Hooper says again in that fucking Nat Geo scene, which I love so much, is that all, it's, it's an eat, it's a perfect machine of evolution. All this thing, all this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks. Yeah. And that's it. Like, so it's this kind of like it has no personality so like it can't be reasoned with it can't be it almost dissuaded can't, it, it almost can't be outsmarted yeah. because like there's it's simplicity itself like you can't set a trap for it really yeah like, like it's 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 so crazy like it's it's one of those things like one of the things that i really love about the ending of this movie about the fact that I mean, again, spoiler for this nearly 50-year-old film now. <laughs> um, the shark is blown up because it has an air canister in its mouth and Brody shoots it, which is physically impossible. But again, you know, <laughs> the original ending, the shark died from cancer and that didn't test very well. <laughs> um, what it actually was, was um, it was supposed to just kind of succumb to the wounds it had gotten from Quint. And it was just supposed it, it was to just, gradually die. It was just supposed to kind of bleed out slowly. On it's swimming Brody. towards towards yeah. Brody and then no. it's like, <laughs> was actually how it was supposed to end. And Steven Spielberg was kind of like, fuck it. If they suck with me this long, they'll, stu- they'll stick with me for this. Like, who cares? We're just going to do it. Hmm. And I think at least half of that was he really wanted to blow up one of the sharks. I don't blame him. Um, <laughs> 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 but... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, no, when that happens, it's like, it's that same thing. It's 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 like, at no point, even in that, like, huge showdown, do you get the impression that the shark is pissed off? It's just kind of doing what it does. Yeah, like, it's like, like, it's just, oh, there's food here, and it's just doing what it does. And it's like, it's swimming at Brody, chomping on this air tank that is clearly not food, and any, any animal would spit out. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> But, like, it holds on to it just long enough for Brody to get that, like, amazing last shot off because it is, again, just, like, it's this totally, like, senseless thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like you know, it's like a tornado. Like, you can't reason with a tornado. Yeah. What is your favorite non-horror moment? In Jaws? Of, of Jaws. Um, it's, it's actually one of the funnier moments i think i there's there's a lot of comedy in this movie like, there's a, a lot of comedy amount. in this movie um i'm not going to use the one that i i know is coming up <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite ones is um at one point brody is sitting in 
a chair in his like living room and he's looking through a book on sharks and he's flipping through and they're showing you all these like gruesome oh, images of shark attacks and like what it does to the victims and like um ellen brody his wife comes up and she's like you know calm down like what do you want to do and this is the you know like he's yelling you, you at get drunk mike to get out of the and he bought his son mike a boat for his birthday and he's yelling at him to get out of the boat and like she's like what just let him do it like he's scared as hell and as he starts explaining why he's upset, she's looking through the book and there's a picture of a thresher shark like breaking through the bottom of a boat. And she just snaps the book closed and goes, Michael, did you hear your father out of the water now? No! <laughs> it's just like, like, it's just such a perfect like mom moment that that like total like spin on a dime. Like, <laughs> I know. And Ellen Brody has a lot of problems in this movie. Like, <laughs> like, I think like the one part of this movie that I don't think I will ever get over is there is a section right before the pond where... Ellen Brody mouths to her husband, I've got Sean. And then we literally cut to her youngest child, who is Sean, running unsupervised across the beach after his brother, (laughs) (laughs) presumably at least a mile away from where his mother is. So it's like, Ellen, whose kid did you take? Or why are you not Sean? (laughs) She lifts the cover off. It's it's just the penguin. Like... (laughs) Like, yeah. Alex Kintner isn't dead. <laughs> Ellen Brody kidnapped him and started calling him Sean. Like, like it's with, it just it makes Sean, absolutely man. no sense. Like, she, she says it and instantly we are shown that she does not, in fact, have Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not really sure why they had her do that, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Mine happens to be one I've talked about extensively on this and podcast. And have explained several times. And it's the one <laughs> where... See uh, if you can say it before he... <laughs> Where they think they caught the shark, and they're like, "So what kind of shark do you think this is?" And then Quinn's like, "Or not Quinn Cooper? I always mix up their you names." Say it. Cooper's <laughs> like, "It's a tiger shark." And then the butch guy is like, "A what?" <laughs> it's the best line ever because this actor just queens out for like. <laughs> literally 0.5 seconds i want to find this actor and send him like a my spooky gay family achievement can can we give him like a lifetime achievement he has the most appearances on my family (laughs) of any more than it more than halloween more than anything else it's this one dude who no one knows (laughs) has been mentioned the most like if you happen to know this person please tell him him we're thinking please give us his address so we can send him a small statuette (laughs) (laughs) that just says hey queen calm down What's in this box? It's a it's a statuette. A, a what? <laughs> it's so good. It's so I good. also really love what's her name. That's like I don't think that's, that's funny. funny. I, don't I don't think, think that's, that's funny, funny at, at all. all. She's just having this moment, and that's like this this woman really committed. She like she went in like a hundred percent on that like that lady at a town council meeting. <laughs> like I don't know if she was on her town council and just knew what to do, but she was just like. She was the she OG was just, Karen with the she bob was cut. Like Jesus, like, 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 like she wants to talk to Bruce's manager right now. Right like, the fuck. Like this is now. unacceptable. Um. So I good news and bad news. Enjoy the dancing. The, dancing. the whole the whole bit in the beginning where um Brody's getting beleaguered by these like people with insane problems like the guy who has the kids who are karate chopping his picket fence and the little <laughs> guy who's like this girl is dancing across the the way from my my son it's distracting him he can't like focus <laughs> on his studies and he turns to Hendrix and he's like can you can you investigate this this dancing and Hendrix is just standing there with like a box of signs and he goes dancing like, <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know why it's just everything about this movie is about. but the bad news 
good news and bad news. We are coming to the end of the episode. We're going to talk about this again because there's still so much more. <laughs> we say that on every episode. We have so many more episodes to do. It's One day we happen. should actually do a two-part discussion. About I mean, if movies. if nothing else, like we will do Jaws two, and we are definitely doing Jaws three because any excuse I have to watch Jaws three is is a beautiful thing. <laughs> you really love Jaws three. I love Jaws three. <laughs> Jaws three is my, like <laughs> I wouldn't even say it's in my top two Jaws movies. <laughs> I mean, it's not in my top two Jaws movies either. It is clearly the third, but it's like, <laughs> but it's. It's just so much fun. Like it's such it's such a terrible it's such a guilty pleasure movie and I love it so much. All right. So before we <laughs> before we <laughs> give up on Jaws for the evening, yes, for we're going to play one of our standard games <laughs> here on My Spooky Gay Family. We're going it's to play It's time for Good, Good Trope, Trope Bad, Bad Trope. Trope. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two tropes that we're going to play. Uh would you like to Go first, or would you like to go second? I don't remember what I wrote down now, and now I have to think. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you just have to. Well, listen, um, it, it's it's we're both going to argue I know, for or against I know. each I, other. I'm just I'm just wondering like which one. It, it doesn't really matter. So I'll do I'll go first. Why the hell not? You're gonna go first. Yeah, I'll go first. All right. So, so heads, I have to defend it. Heads, you have to defend have to it. it Tails, you have to tear it apart. I'm going to read you the trope, and then we're gonna flip. Okay. The first trope is one sane man, which is Brody is the only one talking sense for most of the movie. We've seen this in other movies like Jurassic Park and Piranha and all kinds of other usually creature most creature features, features made after yeah. Jaws. Yeah. So we actually have a special treat. A we have a real corner. <laughs> we have a real corner. Hard cash monies. Heads, you defend it. Yeah. Tails. You are anti the, the one, sane man. one sane man. Tails, I'm Mayor Vaughn. Go ahead. <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Oh. Oh, crap. You are anti <laughs> one sane man. Fuck. <laughs> um, okay. So to, to further explain this just a little bit, it's, it's kind of the, the idea behind it is kind of that that there's this this one person who sees the situation clearly and mm-hmm. everybody else around them either has ulterior motives or just is is being stupid and it just it always feels so circumspect like 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 it's not it's not looking at the bigger picture really it's it's kind of and i mean to a certain extent it's because you know Brody's the main character of course we're going to see things from his perspective but at mm-hmm. the same time like the idea that nobody else looks at this situation <laughs> apart from like Hooper <laughs> and goes, yeah, no, you got a problem. Like Quint wants to make a shit ton of money and likes to kill sharks, but like he doesn't really care. <laughs> so it's, it's just, I don't know. Like it feels just very unrealistic that like this town, no matter how like dependent it is on tourism, that there's nobody else in town going like, no, we have to kill the fucking shark. <laughs> like there's not a single other person. Who's like, yeah, that, some kid got eaten last week and we're kind of messed up about it. Like, like everybody's just, I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny at all. Like, that's the closest we get to empathy out of the people of Amity. And it just feels unrealistic. Go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> from a storytelling standpoint, while I agree with you that it is unrealistic to a certain extent... It is almost necessary because what else would drive the story forward? We have to have the mayor saying, no, we can't do this because otherwise it's a shark 
we just don't go in the water. The shark is not going to follow you home. He's not Michael Myers. He's not going to sneak in your bedroom window that night. You we have don't know to... what he would have done out of desperation. <laughs> you can't prove a negative. Sorry, I love the taste of human meat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he just said he'll do anything for just, human meat. That just felt like it came out of nowhere. And I know it didn't. <laughs> it was just like I just wasn't expecting you. To say that exact I was personifying of words. the shark. <laughs> it's okay. You're um, just in the head and it is necessary. It is necessary to get people into the water to propel the story forward. Yes. That's the only, I know. That's that's the only necessary argument. It is a narratively it is a narratively necessary plot device. Yes, exactly. I, I, I do think that there there is a value to adding more people to that cadre because like sort of the, the, the fewer people you restrict it to, I feel like the less realistic it feels. But, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like, in Jurassic Park, you kind of have Malcolm and then, like, as it gets further along, you get Grant added and, like, other people come around to the way of thinking kind of over the course of the movie. And I feel like it, feels more, it feels more natural that way. Like, the fact that, like, up until they're getting on the orca, it's it's just Brody and Hooper. who <laughs> <laughs> are like, yeah, no, we got to kill this fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just know that from a storytelling perspective, it's like, well, how do you get everyone in the water? No, it's it's absolutely necessary. And I want to be clear, even like that follow up that I just did, like, I am clearly in favor of this trope. It's a good one, actually. Yeah. Like, it, it makes a lot of narrative sense. But I had to argue against it. <laughs> I'm stupidly competitive. So shall I flip for you? Uh, surely. Uh, the next trope is the Ahab trope, which is that Quinn is obsessed and the motivation is at least partially personal to the point that he makes bad survival decisions. Are you ready? Uh, I suppose so. Oh, that was a good sound. It was like a, like a Foley <laughs> artist thing. Uh, you got heads. So, so I have to defend I it. Twice. Go ahead. Um, well, Quinn is obsessed and it is personal for him especially following his story uh with the indianapolis i think that it it serves the story so well because you have this person going yeah we can do it we can do it we can do it let's just go out and do it let's go out and do it that motivates someone you know you have uh, Brody, who is terrified of the ocean. You have Hooper, who is capable, but kind of comes from the privileged background, the privileged white boy background. Maybe doesn't have the experience necessarily yeah. to pull it and off. And so you have like all, you have three very necessary elements that together make one well-rounded person, but they're three different people. And so you have the Ahab who has to be there to inspire them to go out and do something about it. Because if it was, if it was, uh, Hooper, they would just no one would go in the ocean. And if it was Brody, no one would go in the ocean. But uh Quint, you he he gives you the necessary drive to go out and actually face the terror. Because in a in a way, Quint is the terror. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and he is he believes that he's impervious. And I think that that uh as a storytelling technique is important because it proves that the shark can overcome anything if given the opportunity uh and it also keeps the characters moving forward in the story that's fair um <laughs> against a classical literal archetype but that's fine um <clears throat> it's fine basically my argument for this 
is that Quint's fate at the end of this, by virtue of his archetype, is almost certain from the moment he's introduced. Hmm. Like, the minute you're the guy who wants to kill it, you're the guy who's going to get eaten. Like, <laughs> So I feel like there's a certain amount of, of tension that's dispelled by that because I don't think anyone like watching that final confrontation sequence thinks that Quint's going to make it out of there. And B, it kind of gives the odd, like him being so salty and him being like so obsessed and so like so unreasonable like when he smashes the radio and yeah. when, when like you know when they're sinking but he doesn't care you know it's like <laughs> it's like you know they're you know why are why are we going further out to sea like 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 all of the bad decisions it almost gives the audience kind of permission to not feel when he does go like i feel like even minor tweaks where he's more reasonable or even slightly more likable like that can be a really emotionally cathartic moment when he dies but him just being this kind of obsessive archetype kind of gives the audience permission to not care that that's what happened to him or feel Mm. like he even might have deserved it so it's i feel like it muddles the emotion that comes with that scene in a way that is maybe not as effective hmm I don't believe any of that. I was going to say it's a compelling Um. (laughs) argument. And if I thought you believed it, I'd argue. Um. But but I know that you don't. So I won't go too crazy. Thank you. I I, I think it's I think it's a good argument. Generally speaking. I do want to say this one other thing. Like the Ahab is a is a literary trope from the character it is named for. Um, And like you see it so much in even other horror movies where it's based a little bit more off Quint than it is off of actual captain Ahab. even three years later yeah in, in halloween, halloween. <laughs> like, you know there's dr loomis there's like you see this in other horror movies you see it in other genres like mm-hmm. it's it's a classical even jurassic story park arc. i would consider <clears throat> uh uh what's his Muldoon? name hammond no. no i was gonna say hammond hammond as an ahab yeah because i think that he's had this focused okay crazy I get, I get where you're coming from now uh, like like focus on this thing the idea of like creating the quote-unquote yeah. ant farm and making the it real circus. the flea circus yeah. whatever it is and uh and he didn't stop to think about the broader picture of it i feel like he's i feel like i've always kind of put him more in the sort of like dr frankenstein i mean archetype. he is but i i think that there's an element of a to it it's a very personal valid. It's a very personal relationship. Yeah, no, I think I think what you're saying makes sense. I think I just never really viewed it from that. Hmm. that I mean, literally, Muldoon is probably more of the Ahab because yeah, he is the hunter and the. They should all be destroyed. It's yeah. literally his first line. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like, and you're sitting there in the audience going like, "Well, that guy's gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> but he was, has amazing. Cast. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good argument. You did good. Thank you. Well. <laughs> I'm really good at somewhere. Dad's banging his head against the wall, going like she could have gone to law school. And And here we are. Well, I'm sad to say we have come to the end of our episode. Saying goodbye to Amity Island for now. Just for now. Have you ever been to Martha's Vineyard? I have not. Never. I feel like is a sin. If for no other reason than they do like Jaws film festivals, where you can like sit in inner tubes in the harbor, and they put a big like inflatable screen up. It's really cool. 
See, will I will not do it. I would probably do it from the beach. I don't think I could do it in the water. I couldn't do it in the water. Especially because clearly it has to be nighttime, which for those of you who have watched Shark Week is not a good time to be in the water. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, again, don't want to see Susan Backlany go through that when I'm more Literally or less where she was doing it. <laughs> yeah. So, like. <laughs> I have been to Martha's Vineyard. I went with uh, Jess and Carmen. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of fun. And I think that part of it was like knowing that Jaws yeah. was filmed there, like riding the ferry out to Martha's mm-hmm. Vineyard. I was like, oh, my God, this is this is the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. It's like cinema holy, holy land. It yeah. really is. Yeah. So I get a real big kick out of that. I'm definitely like a Hollywood tourist. Yeah. I love seeing where things were filmed. I love uh, like going to film locations, things like that. That's something that's really cool to me. Uh, kids, I hope you enjoyed this conversation about Jaws. If you have a favorite moment that we didn't touch upon or an I idea. I have so many. So I know, yeah, Sam's going to be writing. To- <laughs> I'm going to be writing in on the Twitter. Please. Maybe that's what I'll do on, on, on the Thursday that this comes out. I'm just going to do on the Twitter just like a top 10 moments that we didn't get to that I really want to You're welcome about. to do it. I will be at home playing Stardew Valley. Number one. <laughs> I, ahead. I can go slow ahead. Get down here and shuffle some of this. <laughs> Everyone in the theater craps their pants. Everyone. Yes. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please uh, let us know your favorite moments from Jaws or what your feelings about Jaws are. We'd love to hear them. So or until- Jaws 3. You can talk about Jaws 3 too. I'll talk you about- have not let me finish a damn sentence. I'm sorry. Fuck Jaws 3. <laughs> Every time I start to say the closing. I'm sorry. (laughs) So until next time. Stay spoopy and remember. (laughs) I don't know why you paused. You usually finish. I was waiting for you to interrupt me. Oh, okay. Well, I felt obligated then to say something. Do you want to finish? Stay spoopy and remember. I, I, kind of a shock is it? Actually, I don't know. I think it's from a cold. Got a deep throat crack. Yeah, well, but what kind? What kind of shock? It's a tiger shark. A what? My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips and music from Jaws, copyright 1975, Universal Pictures. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. (laughs) 